It's the Greek Soccer Show. I'm back. Been running around all day. Missed the week last week. But I'll get to it now. I mean, the only thing to talk about last week was that 0-0. Well, last week, the game before the international break. Was that 0-0 scoreline between Larissa and Ajax, which I was very upset about. I'll explain why. It's because Larissa, the, uh, the, you know, the guy in charge over there, hates the owner of Ajax Athens. And they didn't fix the pitch on purpose. The, the field was unplayable. There was holes. It was, mi- it was a minefield. It was, it was post-war Bosnia. Very hard to run and play. So it ended 0-0. No surprise there. How are you going to score? But they stole two points from us, man. That's two points that I actually had. So that kind of pissed me off. And then the international break happened. And I'll talk about the, the, the new look Greek team after I deal with the club teams. But that was good. For those of you who got to catch the, the big game in England, the big game in uh, in the Premier League, Man United, Liverpool. Liverpool came up with that tying goal late, 1-1. Exciting to watch, but man, Manchester United, the fans weren't happy. They were not happy. Then again, think about it. It's Liverpool and Man U, technically. You should be happy. I mean, a draw. They're big teams. Forget about how they're playing recently. Even Tottenham, you know, the... the Screw up in Europe. It happens. In general, you got you got a powerful team. All right. So just enjoy it. There's gonna be there's gonna be times like this. I mean, like I said, look at Ike. Someone just deciding that they don't want to fix the pitch cost us two points in the league. And by the way, that should be illegal. That should be something that the league would step in and say, look, it's either you play at an alternate field of your choice, right? You hook it up, or you forfeit the match. Just like Ike Athens, for example. They played over the weekend in Erizupoli because the Olympic Stadium, where they normally play, was getting renovated. The pitch, again. So they said, all right, we'll play somewhere else, which was even better for us because more fans come out to those games since it's closer to Nea Philadelphia. And that's how it should be. Anyways, so that happened. So we lost points. And uh, so the game against Volos ended 3-2. Very, it was actually a surprisingly uh, good game, well-contested. Volos, it shows when you have a lot of young players a lot of fast players, what kind of difference it makes. I feel like they, uh, they're they building that team properly. They took three teams that were in the region to make this new team, Volos, and uh, it was the smartest thing to do. That's how you compete in, in a league like the, the Greek League. You know, come together, a couple of towns, a couple of villages, make a decent team, make a run at it. No, no one's crazy. No one thinks that these teams are going to win the league anytime soon. But it's good to be competitive. And speaking of competitive... Olibiaco Ofi, that was a good game. Olibiaco still looking very good. Uh, I know a lot of people complain about them. I, I feel like they're they're looking good. I think you could be proud of that team if you're an Olibiaco fan. Uh, the problem with them now, and I kind of feel bad for the fans, is the Valbuena apparently is injured. He's a huge, huge player for them, and you know they have the game against Bayern Munich coming, so that kind of sucks for them. Plus, there's that derby next week, Ike Olibiaco or Olibiaco Ike in this case actually, since they're playing. Karaiskaki, Piraeus. Olibiaco goes home for that one. Big derby. It's actually the first real derby that I uh, I think we can enjoy. Should be fun to watch. The Pauk one was a little disastrous with all that VAR stuff. And then, uh, you know, it wasn't called properly. But then, ugh, I don't know. It was a 2-2 fiasco, I find. What's crazy is that Ike should have won that one. Because it was a goal that was disallowed over VAR. But then when they looked at it in the replay... Apparently they didn't look. Uh, they didn't put the camera out far enough 
Turns out that it should not have been a disallowed goal. There wasn't an offside, and the goal should have counted. But then again, you can tell me if that goal counted, what's the guarantee that the other one would have went in? So, you know, what ifs? Point is, it ended 2-2, and now we have another derby. Olbeko Aik, that's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to bring Poseidon for that one. I know he's interested. He wants to watch it. He's been getting more more into Greek soccer. In fact, I got him addicted to Pro Evolution Soccer, the game. I gave him the uh, Greek League patch. And he hasn't stopped fucking playing. That's all he does. Until like 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I've created a monster. Is what I've done with video games. So other games, Panathinaiko, Atromito, another good game. Another good, good teams. Good, you know, Panathinaiko, just a young team that's fighting. And they've had a weird season. Garbage games. And then great fighting games. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's just a lack of experience that's causing that inconsistency. Uh, but if that team had some good management, some good money behind it right now, I think they, they have something to build on, right? They have a team that they, you'd be happy if you're a Pathanko fan, you'd be happy about the future. But management sucks right now. So that's that's the problem with them is that that doesn't look good. Aris, again, very happy that Aris is, uh, is back in the top flight and that Aris is... Is playing well. And they're getting these victories. They got that one nothing win against Xanti. Um, it's very important. If you if you have a team, if you if you have any team that you like in that league, forget about your hatred on other teams. It's very important that the big clubs do well. It's very important they stay healthy. That keeps the league healthy, and that keeps your team healthy. It's an ecosystem. You got to remember that. So it's good for everyone. Speaking of ecosystem, Olympiakos is playing in Europe this week. Very, very tough match for them. Bayern Munich. Now, without the services of Albuena, as far as it looks, as far as I can see from the media in Greece, it would uh, it would be amazing if they had him available. So, Olympiaco, um kind of stumbled, uh, especially after that game with Red Star, giving Red Star the opening to take the second spot, which is a spot no one thought they'd be in. Uh, after two games, but it's you know it's after three games normally you look at it. After three games, once half of the fixtures are done, you take a look at the standings and you think, all right, where can I go from here? Olbiaco currently sits uh, fourth out of four teams, obviously, because they only have one point, but they're fourth on uh, equal points with Tottenham. Tottenham has a point also after that devastating uh, thrashing they got at the hands of Bayern last time, last time out, so... Uh, if Olbiaco could muster, I mean, they're at home. So if they could muster even a draw, it would be huge. Uh, I do think that Tottenham should be able to take out Red Star. And that'll put Tottenham at four points. And Olbiaco with a tie would be at two. So it would put Olbiaco in a good position with the remaining three games after to either go for that Euro- Europa League spot or even steal it. I mean, Tottenham's been slipping up a bit. I'm able to steal second place, move further into a Champions League. It's possible. And a, a lot is going to have to do with what happens against Bayern Munich. It's going to be huge for them. Uh, normally, they show up for these big games. Olbiaco shows up for these big games, and they're at home, too. It's, it's, a, it's a tough place to play at. Uh, you know, not selling Bayern short. I mean, they're, they, they didn't mind playing against Tottenham and just picking them apart. So, you know, odds are Bayern will take the win. I mean, if we're looking at the, the odds makers right now. They're giving it 69% to Bayern, 19% for a tie. So... 6-9% is pretty high. I mean, and I don't blame. I don't blame. This is Bayern Munich we're talking about. If anyone should have the advantage in this game, it's going to be them. Now, while we're you know talking about different stuff in soccer, and we don't really have a lot of European uh, representation, given the drastic 
uh, turn of events that happened right before all the European contests, um, the beginning of, of the season. So we only have Olibeko representing us right now. So we do have the national team. So the national Greek team, for those of you who don't know, uh, has been on a downward spiral for the last couple of years. And you'd think, all right, well, you know, they're facing other good teams. You're going to lose. It's going to happen. Well, no, no. I, they're losing to garbage teams as well. They're not just losing to the best teams. Uh, they're losing to bad teams. They were losing to bad teams, rather. And there was a lot of talk. It's something I, I believe I mentioned on an early episode. Uh, it's something that I've been talking about for a while. Is I read the news media coming out of Greece, and a lot of times, not the main media, but, you know, you got to go to these, uh, you know, these anonymous sources type of, type of stuff to get the skinny on what's happening in that locker room, they kept talking about how the star players, and by star players, I mean the big, the players that play in the big European clubs, Papasatopoulos, Manolas, players like that, uh, were actually, especially Manolas, uh, were actually toxic in the locker room. And it was affecting the team, the way they play, uh, you know, the way they feel out there on the pitch. I mean, apparently, Papasatopoulos, Socrates was oblivious to all of this. But Manola, I know him. I know him well enough from his time in Ike, and then when he went to Olympiaco, and the stuff I heard from uh, from my friends who who are Roma fans when he played in Roma, he he is a bit of a cunt. He's a bit of a piece of shit. So I I can't I won't put it past him on being a toxic guy in the locker room. Essentially, with this new coach, the first thing he did is he got rid of those star players. He said, "Look, there's a couple of games left in the European qualifying matches." Uh, we're already eliminated. I want to see specific players. I want to see how they play. I want to build this team from new. And after the first game where they lost to Italy in Italy, but it was a hard-fought game. It's just, you know, it had some bad luck. Uh, it was a loss that I was expecting, but I was very, very happy with what I saw. Then all it took was that second game in Athens against Bosnia when they beat Bosnia too, and they dominated. They took like 15 shots. You never see the Greek national team take 15 shots. It's never happened. It's crazy. So they're finally uh, getting their act together. He's bringing in young... He's also bringing in players that a lot of people didn't know about that are playing like uh, random teams around Europe that, that are Greek. Uh, he's trying his best to just find the best fit to make a team, to field the proper team so that we could try to qualify for the World Cup. That's what he's trying to do. He's not just picking the big names, the guys that play in big clubs. He's, he's trying his best to get a team to win because in the end, that's all that matters. Right? What do you care? If you look at basketball, right? We fielded in the national team, Greece. Uh, we were one of the favorites to win the World Cup. And it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. The coach didn't really know how to handle his players. Um, we, you know, he, we fielded big names and thought that that's all it takes to win. It doesn't. Not in sport. Not in sport, man. Anything can happen. Especially in these big-time games where there's national pride at stake. It's all about heart. You need players and people willing to fight for the for that jersey. You want him to sweat for the jersey, basically, right? You want a guy if he has the choice. If you would tell him, "Look, you get three goals tonight, but we lose, or you get one assist, but we win," what do you take? You want the guy that says, "I'll take the assist and the win." That's that's how you build a team. So all that to say, I'm actually really happy about the future of the national team. You know, it's building. You gotta you you need to take some time to build. Now let me touch on some cool stuff that I've been looking into. Well, it's not cool. I don't mean cool in a good way. That's going to sound crazy when I continue what I'm about to say. Just interesting, rather. All right? I misspoke. Interesting things. I found out about the uh, 
football, the soccer slave trade. Did you guys know about this? The slave trade in soccer? So I found out that there's, uh, there's certain dubious agents, and there's a lot of them. I mean, FIFA and UEFA had to step in and create new laws to kind of block this from happening, uh, where they, they go into Africa and they find promising young uh, players in African countries that are very, very poor. And they get their parents to sign basically their kid away, uh, these 15-year-old kids, 14-year-old little boys, uh, to bring them to a new life in Europe with the hopes of making it big, in one of the clubs. And a lot of them go down there and they don't even make any money. Some of them are forced into prostitution to pay the bills. Imagine that. Um, prostitution, 15-year-old African prostitutes who went there to play soccer. Or football, if you will. And there's cases of this where they go and they, you know, they, they sign their rights away. That's why recently, if you see, that they're kind of stepping in UEFA and FIFA about certain players that come from different countries. And uh, even in youth teams now, there's a law that you you, you can't really um, buy easily a kid from a youth, one youth academy and bring another country. In order to, for the kid to move to another country and go to another youth academy, uh, you, he needs to have reasons outside of soccer. So, for example, his parents would have had to needed to move from England to Spain due to work, and then the kid has to change academy. That would be valid. But if it's just like Barcelona really likes this 15-year-old kid from uh, a Liverpool training camp, a youth academy, uh, they can't just outright pay money and get them, you know. But the, the point is that there's a lot of sketchiness happening, and they take advantage of the third world. They take advantage of Africa. Same thing is happening with uh, a lot of Brazilians, a lot of Brazilian Argentinian kids. They're getting them young, bringing them into Europe, and a lot of them don't make it, and, and they live in, like, pretty garbage conditions. And uh, I recently found out about the whole prostitution thing. I saw a video on it. I saw a video discussing kind of how it works and how they bring them into the country. Sometimes with some falsified uh, documents, like sometimes the parents won't sign certain things, but uh, you know the agent will dubiously make it look like they did. It's pretty. It's there's this whole underbelly to this whole soccer thing. We were just talking about you know match fixing, and that used to happen a lot, uh, especially in the Greek league. I mean, there there's still. Uh, I mean, shit. I think there's still people in uh, uh, on trial right now in Greece about matches that were fixed back in the day, and it happened all over Europe. Remember Juventus. The whole match fixing stuff—they had to go down a couple divisions, and then they, you know, they went up. Uh, so that's one dark side of soccer, you know, for the betting. But this fucking modern-day athletic slavery—that's pretty crazy. Like I was looking at these videos, and I thought, man, this is. Not. I was also looking at just uh, strategy videos and why a lot of people in Europe were having trouble um, with playing three, three, um, three at the back. So, because normally, you know, you'll you have a four four two, you know, four three, th you know, like people will try to always put two center backs and you know two uh, fullbacks, so your wingers. But there's certain teams, and it's it's used by some pretty good coaches. They'll use the three men at the back, and Ike has been doing it this year too with Kostenoglu, and a lot of people don't don't like it. But I was seeing a lot of defense of the formation. Three at the back, and it made sense. It kind of made as, but here, the thing is, you have to have um, wingers that can play up and down, that could run back, and you need the midfield to help out. Basically, it's kind of like how when total football was happening before they, well, you know, it was happening at the time from the Netherlands, and they didn't call it total football, it's just what it was. Uh, they were just playing soccer. You, you're kind of playing many positions, not just your own. And if you have a team that could do that, and they could shift depending on on where the ball is uh, during the game. And who has the ball, whether you're on defense or and, and they could shift around regardless of where they are on the field. Uh, you could play three at the back pretty 
successfully. You know, get it quickly to the midfield where you have a lot of extra options now, right? Because you go all the way to each sideline because you have the wingers that have, you know, pushed up. Uh, and depending on how many people you're playing there, you might have five to choose from. Five, you know, passing lanes, which is pretty big. Uh, and then if you have a fast striker, I mean, you could work this. You could work this. Uh, some of you might not care about the whole strategy behind it, but I was just looking at it. It was fascinating to me uh, on how different you can, the spaces, like the space you can open up on the field, um, just depending on moving that one defender and turning him into a, you know, maybe a defensive midfielder or just de depending on, on how you're going to play. Anyways, I thought that was cool. So next week we're going to talk about the derby. We're going to talk about Olbeko Aik. The aftermath. I'm obviously gonna have opinions, win or lose. I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be angry. Either way, I think. Well, I'm gonna be more happy, obviously, if Ike wins. But uh, just because of the way the points are right now, with the points that I dropped this season, really, really need that victory to keep it close. To keep it close, so we can stay in the running for that league title. Which um, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal if we don't get it again this year. The whole point was that we're trying to get it when we have the new stadium, which is gonna be next year. But I'd love to see my team win another one right now so that's all you're gonna get for this week uh i might drop a european nights podcast this week just talking about the european games uh in general obviously uh, not greek because that would just be one team i would just talk about the Olbeko game which i'll touch on but uh, i think i'm gonna watch a couple of them i have some free time and maybe i'll just drop another podcast just discussing all those uh if you're interested in my usual line of work comedy go to pantelliscomedy.com uh, check out dates of the current tour that's happening the pantelis is better than you tour uh two drink minimum the uh, number one podcast on the goddamn planet check two drink minimum out you could download it wherever you get your podcast you could watch it on youtube for free it goes live 2 p.m on uh tuesdays that's eastern time and then it's up everywhere wednesdays at noon um and yeah that's it pantelliscomedy.com Thank you all for listening.